0: Welcome to Animal Cafe, where you'll hear weekly interviews with experts and enthusiasts working to better the lives of animals, and a monthly segment reviewing fun, fabulous, and useful products for your pets. Check our website, animalcafe.co, for more. This is Mary Haight reporting on animal welfare issues for Animal Cafe, and we're here today with Debbie Jacobs, author and certified dog trainer from Vermont. Who has worked for a number of years with rescues in Puerto Rico, taking approximately 100 small, healthy dogs into her home for adoption. New Englanders have done so well with spay-neuter programs, they have a shortage of small dogs. Welcome, Debbie. Hi. Good to to hear from you. Um, Thanks. um, I was wondering, uh, when I saw this piece of uh, of who you are in your resume, uh, what first drew you to the problem of street dogs in Puerto Rico?
1: Well, before I focused just on working with dogs, I used to. I still have a business um, called Explorations and Travel, and I would organize active educational travel programs, and often travel to uh, Latin America and, and the Caribbean. And I was traveling in Puerto Rico, look, setting up, getting ready to set up uh, travel educational travel programs, and I saw. All of these stray dogs and quite honestly I, I was sickened um, by what I was seeing uh, there you would see bloated dogs that were dead on the side of the road and you would go to the beach and there would be emaciated mangy dogs you know scurrying around looking for food or or hanging out in the shade and As I was traveling around, I realized, I don't really think I can bring people here because it's very hard for me to see this. And this was maybe, oh, oh, I'm I'm drawing uh, maybe 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably about, about right. And as I was going around looking for hotels, I said to someone, is anybody doing anything about the stray dog problem? And they said to me, you must go meet this woman and she runs a hotel and she's the person you want to talk to. And so I did, a woman named Penny Miller, she runs a hotel called the Seagate on the island of Vieques, which is an island off the east coast of Puerto Rico. And Penny was involved at that time with setting up a humane society and a clinic on the island. And so that was the start for me.
0: So that was the first clinic?
1: Well, it it was the first clinic on that island, not Mm -hmm. on Puerto Rico, but on Via Case. Mm -hmm. And that was what um, compelled me to get more involved with with folks who were doing rescue down there. What finally happened was I got up enough nerve because at the time I, I... I had never been involved. I didn't know anything about how how to what do we do with these dogs i had I had volunteered for years at my local animal shelter. I finally got the nerve. It probably took me a couple of years. and I said to the shelter manager uh, about my trips to Puerto Rico and that the people there, would would transport animals they would ship them over now you've got to r- remember or understand if folks aren't aware of this that puerto rico is a territory of the united states to travel to and from puerto rico uh, all you need is a driver's license or any form of identification at least at the time if pass i'm not even i don't even think passports are required now for traveling in the caribbean to puerto rico though i always have to keep track of what tsa is doing <laughs> and um and when I mentioned to her that they had a lot of small dogs, she said, any small dog you bring me, we can adopt out. And that was true. I, I live in Vermont, in Southern Vermont. We have a, so there's about 16 runs in our kennel. Uh, so it's a small kennel. Mm-hmm. There's often empty kennels. Wow. So it's not like we're taking space away from local dogs. Mm-hmm. And so I just jumped in. I had uh, they, sh- I was working with uh, with the with the shelter on Via case, and they s- sent uh, a shipment, uh, a transport of uh, several crates with dogs to the airport in Connecticut because there's a direct flight. It's only about three hour flight from San Juan to Hartford, Connecticut. And I drove down, and I went, and there they at the time dogs could fly unaccompanied. That's no longer the case. After 9-11, that ceased to be the case. But at the time, all they needed to do was put the dogs on the – fly them as baggage um, mm-hmm. without flying with someone. They were just sort of sent as cargo. Mm-hmm. And uh, American Airlines at the time was donating the flight. It didn't cost the rescue groups anything to do it. And I drove That's
0: great. Down. Wow.
1: We drove down. We picked up the dogs. I brought them home. Uh, I think the first night I brought them into the shelter we um, had a key and I brought in and I put them brought them and brought them into a kennel and, and left them there and then went the next day and I, I think that those dogs were probably with, adopted within a day or two. I would usually get a, a, about six dogs at a time, often sometimes puppies I mean there 's a small dog so they might uh, there might have been a couple in a crate or, or so we'd get enough that I could fit them in my vehicle at a
0: mm-hmm. big
1: enough vehicle. And then I started to just bring them home with me um, that first night because I'm closer than the, than the shelter. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I would actually keep dogs, if they weren't immediately adopted, I would just keep them with me. And, and really the longest I probably ever had a dog was about two weeks
0: before it was adopted. Wow, that's pretty high demand for small dogs then.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. Uh, you, it, right now in our local shelter, there's someone else who has, I, I would say, pick up the slack. We, we uh, The shelter stopped doing it. There was a, uh, a rabies uh, incident, not with one of our dogs, but with another dog that was transported. Mm-hmm.
0: That was a couple of years ago, and, wasn't it?
1: You no, know, it was at least yeah. a couple of years ago. I can't, I can't remember exactly when. And that... Happened here in Vermont, I think it was New Hampshire, and it you know it scares people, and so, and it's also bad PR. I mean, for good reason, it's bad PR. I mean, we here in New England, uh, I did a little research to see when the last case of a rabid animal was a a pet animal, and it was actually a kitten in a pet shop in New Hampshire, exposed uh, quite a number of people, Uh, and that was. Again, I'm not trying to make light of this. It's yeah. a big deal, um, but it, you know it, it happened, and uh, so the shelter, mainly because of the bad PR mm-hmm. and, and and
0: health, health concerns, um, yeah,
1: and health concerns, and the it, it the state that it was went around to everybody, and and uh, dogs are still transported routinely from Puerto Rico to rescue groups not far from us here in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. So it hasn't ceased completely, but the. Um, I stopped doing it, and and now the shelter is actually taking dogs that are that are being transported over from uh, that are coming in from California. It's actually a longer flight. Yeah, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that is. But I was wondering, you know, and, and uh, how do these dogs take to kennels? Uh, are are they kept in kennels in and? Uh,
1: so you know, all the the dogs. I would say, for the most part are fairly resilient, flexible, adaptable dogs. Because the dogs that were being pulled out of the shelters and off the streets are what I, I would always say they were the dogs that knew how to work the crowd. Oh. Because there are, and I was just online trying to find the numbers of how many stray dogs people think there are in, in Puerto Rico. Well, I have I, up I, a number, I got one. It
0: was <laughs> the, I at have, last count, they, they were adding in cats as well at, at 200,000. Roaming the territory, yeah. I wouldn't, that was be about, I guess, six months ago, yes. year ago. Right, right, yeah.
1: I mean, it, it, it really is, um, I mean, you see this in lots mm-hmm. of places around the world where um, you will see stray dogs. Now, one of the things that contributes to the number that you see in Puerto Rico is that the pet shops in Puerto Rico buy dogs from. The breeders,
0: puppy mills, most often yeah. the puppy
1: mill breeders, that are shipping dogs down to Puerto Rico. And I was speaking to someone and you, who another rescuer um, years ago, and she said if we could only stop that, you know, the number of dogs that were coming in for you know X number of years, you know, they might be able to get a, a, a you know kind of staunch the, the problem a little bit. Um, but that is what happens. You can go into San Juan and buy a Siberian Husky puppy. Now this is the Caribbean. Okay, this is where it really rarely gets below eighty degrees, and you can buy a wow. Siberian Husky that can get to live its life in an air-conditioned apartment. Um, it, you know, if I sound fairly cynical, mm-hmm. it's it's because I am. I mean, I just this is the kind of this is the kind of thing that is absolutely. Absurd. I mean, somebody might say, okay, but people have chihuahuas in New England, you know, and and they have to live with temperatures of 15 below. Um, So maybe I'm being a little bit hypocritical. But anyway, um, in in a place where there really are fabulous dogs of their own, and again, we can all say the same thing. You know, we have these fabulous Mm -hmm. strays in our own backyard that people wonder, you know, why do we need to bring dogs from here or there? In the case of, of these dogs, I was specifically targeting the under 20-pound um, size, in which we don't have a lot of that size dog. And so if you were someone who was looking for a small dog, you could put your name on a list and you could wait for the one little terrier that might come in or the one little Lhasa mix or something that for some reason or another ended up at the shelter and you know, join the crowd of people that wanted them. Uh, put your name in the in the pot and and maybe hope to get it. Uh, whereas we could bring in six dogs at a time, and I would the shelter would open on the weekend, and there would be a line of people who would be there to meet these dogs. And most of them would just go home. It was very rarely did they did they sit sit there for very long.
0: And what does the government do? Are there any? Funds or cooperation, or, or is it just mass culling? I heard about a, a beach.
1: Oh, there are some yeah. pretty horrific I heard about stories dead dog now. Beach? Whether, what? Uh, oh, I don't know about Dead Dog Beach, but there was the case where they were throwing them off a bridge mm-hmm. to euthanize, you know, to kill them. Wow, euthanized. They were throwing them off a bridge to kill them. Uh, there would often be poisonings where people would go out, someone would go out I, you know, again, I can't say who sanctioned it whether it was the, the federal government the, the, the um, mm-hmm. municipalities local governments I don't know who would do this, but I can remember um, I was visiting the island of Culebra, which is another small island off the east coast, and I said to them why don't you have all of these dogs? Where are your all your stray dogs? How have you? They didn't have a shelter, and they said oh, every few years somebody goes around and they throw out hot dogs with poison in them and that was how they were dealing with that problem Um, and so there is in Puerto Rico, again, you have people who Mm -hmm. care, there are people who care there are private citizens who care and there are people in government who care, it's the same everywhere you go, there's not enough money and there's Mm -hmm. not enough energy uh, for dealing with some of these problems and because it seems to just it it goes on (laughs) it's not something that hey, let's tear down this building and build a new one, and then there you have a new building, and now we don't have to raise money to build the building anymore. It's here. We've got it. It's fabulous. All that mm-hmm. hard work we put in, it was great. As we know, and people in rescue know, it's its endless. It just goes on. As soon as you're done rescuing that one dog, all you need to do is turn around, and mm-hmm. there's another one. And, um, and so for me, what I... What I was doing was as much for the people I met there because I could see how ceaselessly and tirelessly and um, selflessly they were working to help the animals. It's not just dogs. There's cats. There's horses, um, and and so that was something that I could do. And and as as somebody who uh, is in anybody who's out there who is actually dealing on the front lines which is pulling the dogs that are starving that are injured uh, that are sick and healing them or doing whatever feeding them getting them healthy enough so that they can actually go and move on if you never can move on those dogs on well you can't pick up the next one that you see um, you, you know so it's it there's i mean i i'm not i don't know that there's any i don't know if this is the answer to the problem to take the dogs all i knew was that it was something i could do and at one point i just decided that you know whether the dog is coming from california or tennessee or mm-hmm. puerto rico it's a life and yes there are complications um, yes there are implications as far as these diseases go And I suppose in some cases, if you are ignoring your local population of dogs,
0: um, that can be a problem. But if there's a need, then Um, you need to fill that need. Yes. Well, that's why people and best friends, North Shore Animal League, they all transport dogs from coast to coast. So looking at the other side of things, how are foreign rescue organizations and individuals viewed by locals?
1: (laughs) it's i think i don 't think I can say as a to make a blanket statement about all of them, um, but in Puerto Rico, one of the things and this is true of any group that comes from outside and puts themselves into a community wherever it is, and whatever it is that your your topic is or whatever it is your focus is. When you come from outside and step into someone else's community, you've got to be very careful. Um, And there were problems with uh, some groups that were coming in because one of the things that they, they failed to recognize, that as horrific as it might seem to an outsider coming in and seeing these stray dogs, these were part of the local people's community and even though i might say how can you say that about this dog who's walking around obviously injured and have a problem with someone from outside coming in and doing something i mean in some case people went in and euthanized Mm -hmm. them, and that was a big problem and even though i might have agreed with them and said that was probably the kindest thing to do for some of these dogs um people were really upset about it and they were they had their reasons and I think that that's important that people have to hear Um, they had to they have to acknowledge it and and bring people um, that that you need to work together with a community because ultimately the community is what's going to be left and they have to be prepared to do what the next step is which is more responsible pet ownership whether it's spaying or neutering or just more responsible breeding um, what happens a lot in 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 places um, where it's warm enough for dogs to survive. Mm. here in New England, we have pretty cold winters. You don't see a lot of uh, packs of feral dogs or homeless dogs wandering around. I mean, they just don't sur- they won't survive for very long. But in in warm tropical places, especially if you're small, because you don't need a lot of food, to just survive. If you're a little dog, you can get by on very a small amount of food. You can scavenge, and you can reproduce quickly. And even if only a couple of your pups survive, you, you know people mm-hmm. do the math all the time. You can pull up this, you know, how many how many thousands of dogs in five years, you know, two uh, breeding
0: dogs. Is, is there reproduce. a split between how guess. people see their pets that they get at the pet shop? Um, and the, the street dogs and there's no connection between those two? It's,
1: it's interesting and this, and this really is sort of part of what has this dream project that I'm working on which is to bring some trainers who focus on force-free uh, reward-based training to Puerto Rico and one of the, the things I wanted to do was to take, get a dog from a local shelter and work with it, which you, know, you take a dog, a young enough dog, with it, with some,
0: with
1: mm. several trainers, and and it doesn't take very long to get some very basic skills on them, and take them and do training classes with people in the community, so that they could see one of their dogs, not um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not somebody's fancy purebred dog that they think. Right. the same thing happens here people people see a fabulous border collie do some tricks and now everybody wants border collie you watch a dog on TV and you think wow that's a fabulous that dog is incredible I want one of those I, I wanted people to go to mm-hmm. see one of their dogs which are called satos and it's just a it's just a it's just a Puerto Rican word for street dog um, there is often a, a look to them because they uh, doesn't mean that there's not all kinds of them, but there is often a, a bit of a look to them. They often are about maybe 15, <laughs> 15, 20 pounds, really big ears, long body, short legs, long tails. I mean, they often have a, th- there's often sort of a, a, a classic, someone out walking a dog, and I'll say, boy, that looks like a Puerto Rican Sato," and I'll say, that's what it is. And, and they've often thought, or I've said... It's yeah,
0: like it's me, a what? breed, yeah. <laughs> I'm curious
1: because I've looked at the dog and I think it looks like mm-hmm, a Sato. Mm-hmm. And they've said, it's a Sato. <laughs> and they think it's a breed. You know, they think it's, a, it's an actual breed. And it, it's, uh, But it's a Puerto and street dog. And they are often, like like any dog you find anywhere, I mean, they can be absolutely fabulous or they can be fearful and shy, and... Um, And for me, um, another piece of of, them that I I started to think about more, and the more I did rescue, the more I thought about it, and I saw that there are holes in the system, and it starts with the people who are transporting the dogs. And I'm not saying this to find fault with them, or um, it's a hard job, but I was attending a workshop not too long ago and uh, people brought it up. It, just, it, even, it was just a couple of years ago and they brought up the fact that they had at their shelter had sent to them several street dogs from Puerto Rico and again this is not limited to dogs from Puerto Rico. Any, anywhere you go you'll, you'll find this. Um, the dogs were so fearful so under-socialized or unsocialized that they were having a hard time adopting them. And in fact, they were going to be euthanized. Mm. And a couple of the people that ran the shelter or worked at the shelter ended up taking the dogs because they didn't want them to be put down. And, and to me, that's... It, the horror or the, just the part of it that just makes me sick is the thought of these fearful dogs being oh, handled crated, stuck in the belly of an aircraft with all of the the accompanying noise, being carried around, being picked up again, moved, brought in, put in a shelter, having crowds of people come in and handle them and look at them while they're fearful, while they're afraid.
0: Yeah. And when that happens, uh, aggression can be the response.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, fear and aggression are often you know associated with each other and and those are unadoptable dogs or i again i'm making a blanket statement but what ends up happening i mean they're not all i mean some some of the aggression is
0: if uh, yeah if the shelter that's handling is, the dogs will do be, that will take the time with and do that, that.
1: It, you can deal with that
0: mm-hmm.
1: right and have the resources to do it um and, and sometimes you have a dog and they're just so stressed and, and so in shock that you will get this aggressive display, but underneath that, they're actually mm-hmm. a fairly solid uh, dog, sure. uh, like any dog can bite. Any dog can be aggressive, um, so, but that is a huge responsibility, and for me, even just purely from a marketing standpoint <laughs> for shelters. It damages the reputation of shelters across the board. I can't tell you how many people who I've spoken with who, who have had dogs that they've adopted from shelters, they were transported from another place, and they've been brought up for adoption, and the dog has fear issues. And even if they're not aggressive, they wanted a pet and they got a project. They've had, it, and they're, had, they're having to deal with it. And they've said to me, I will never adopt a dog. Yeah,
0: the there, and, there, yeah. There's so much of that, and, and because it's, uh, of the, experience it's really unfortunate. That, and,
1: yeah, and to me, that's that is the real um, another of the of the travesties of of it is that uh, people are then turned off, and I even hear this from people saying, "Well, I'd rather get a, a puppy because at least then I can train it," and I and you shake your head. Who, <laughs> I shake my head and I think, oh my God, who would want a, a puppy? I can't
0: I know, think talk about, about
1: work. How much work a puppy is. Uh, they're fabulous, you have to be
0: home. <laughs> you can't have a you job. Have you have, have to you be
1: have- home. <laughs> That's right. And you've got, and you've got puppy mm. issues. Um, whereas for me, I think you can, what do you mean? You, you can
0: train it. You, you can, can train it. Can train train an yeah, adult dog. any dog.
1: <laughs> yes. Um, but because of their experience, this is how a lot of people think. They think, oh, if I get a puppy, I can raise it, and it's going to be just the way I want it to be. Well, that's fabulous. I mean, that's great. Good luck. And I hope it happens. And not that it's impossible, but we all know plenty of people have exactly. raised it. Exactly. And,
0: <laughs> and it just doesn't and work it, out the and, way and they and think, it. and that's why they end up in the shelter. Right.
1: We yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, exactly. Um, so um, that is is the other piece of why I think that, that it's such an important important part of the process and it it does put an incredible burden on those people because not only do they have to have the skills and the ability to look at a dog in a very uh, uh, often very limited circumstances the dog was just captured or trapped or dumped off or whatever um, has happened to it and they have to be able to um, decide and determine is this dog uh, going to be a good pet
0: and what's the time frame for that kind of activity, that's, that's the nightmare to me, like how, how do they de- decide if, even if they have great personalities and they're the kind of dog that comes to the front of the cage so to speak um, you know what, what, do you have five minutes, do you have a week, do you have two weeks to decide which animals get to yeah. get shipped well, to I mean, the I uh, mean, mainland, I can
1: say that a skilled um, a skilled assessor actually can do it in a very short period of time. Even even with mm-hmm. it's nice if there if you can work with a dog that's not completely stressed out because we know that it, that sometimes if they get some time to decompress that you might see um, you you might get a different dog, but. Um, but in, in some cases, um, even the best scenario is a dog who, under stress, behaves appropriately. Because, look, dogs are going to be stressed. You know, whether it's the little That's kid right. in the neighborhood riding by on a bike, whether it's coming into your home and, and you have other dogs, dogs have to be able to tolerate stress. And how they handle that stress uh, tells us a lot about them, whether they handle it, how they handle it when they're in a shelter or how they handle it um, when they're out um, on the streets. And, I mean, this was one of the things about many of the street dogs from Puerto Rico is that they actually, because in order to survive, you need to learn to work the crowd, which means suck up to people and get part <laughs> with their sandwiches.
0: Go, That's go to the back of the sad, butcher shop. and. and, and <laughs>
1: In my other business, you know, traveling around the world and meeting street dogs and seeing dogs that were homeless dogs, but they had a circuit and they went to this hotel at a certain time, and I would say, "Oh, is this your dog?" "No, no, that's just the dog. He comes and we feed him at such and such a time." And he would, he, or they would go up to a table where somebody was eating, and of course, tourists, we, you know, especially American tourists, we can't not interact with dogs. We can't not feed. Um, animals that we mm-hmm. see, I'd say for the most part, um, you know, how do they they learn to work the crowd and they learn to identify with people? They learn uh, to behave appropriately, so that so they
0: get that treat, they get that piece of sandwich, they get right, yes, yeah.
1: right, right. And so it's you know, it's really just they figured out sit here, wow. wag your tail, and, here, <laughs> and we just teach them um, lie down and don't move, and that will work. You know, we just, as training, Mm -hmm. when we get them, we just teach them other behaviors that are going to get them the same um, same reward. Uh, So that's, I mean, that's a big, uh, you know, a part of it. Um, And that was what I was seeing with a lot of the dogs. But I also started to become nervous because I do remember getting dogs sent up that were shy. They weren't aggressive. They were fearful. They were timid. They were wary of people but they weren't aggressive and that is often yes. the criteria that people will use is just mm-hmm. the fact that they're not mm-hmm. aggressive and, and that isn't it isn't good enough for me anymore um, because as anybody who has read my seen my website or the book or, or, or heard me talk about um, I have a dog who was not aggressive uh, Sonny and I had not planned on keeping him he was going to be transported up to me and he was going to go out to a home mm-hmm. as soon as I put a few behaviors on him, taught him to come and, you know, kick him a little fun in Vermont and then he was going to move on. Um, mm-hmm. But he's never moved on and I, I, to this day, could not move him on uh, because of the... Uh, the damage that was done through his lack of experience when he was a puppy so anyway now that I'm fostering who has some uh, who shows some lack of skills around people shy and, uh, around people but he's not he doesn't have the same kind of generalized anxiety, anxiety problems or phobias that Sonny has so he's actually once he what it means is he will learn the skills he will be able He is able to interact with people uh, and be comfortable and enjoy it and live in a home. And he will make a good pet for someone.
0: Are the changes that you've seen in the culture uh, hopeful in terms of uh, the growth and sense of um, human-animal bonds?
1: Right. Well, what is happening now that I see in Puerto Rico is there are shelters, There's a fabulous shelter in San Juan in Carolina where people for uh, not a whole lot of money can go in, have their dog spayed, neutered, heartworm tested, microchipped, uh, and continue with that ongoing health care. We're also seeing, what I'm seeing in Vieques case is... Uh, the same thing people are actually taking their dogs to the shelter they're buying heartworm meds they're they're spending the money and and this is not for those of us who may have animals and more disposable income and not saying that this is true of everybody in Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. but for a lot of people even here in the US it's it's an expense Uh, and absolutely Right, and when people are people are making that uh, choice, they're making that choice, and it's also helpful that there are people who are donating and making it a, a more affordable choice mm-hmm. for people. But that's what I'm seeing, and oh, also that's great! I was, yeah, and there's uh, the shelter's got a. I was down there in June, and they they showed me someone had put together a little uh, uh, public service announcement ad that they wanted to show around, to take it to schools, to teach kids uh, and and the public about taking their dogs and caring for them and what they need and that they should be part of the family and not just outside, and tied up outside or...
0: Um, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. yeah, it's good to hear. So, um, what's your advice to people who might want to help in some way?
1: Um, if, well, there's There's all money is always one thing you can do, and there's different organizations. I work, uh, I have worked primarily with the Vieques Humane Society on the island of Vieques. And Mm -hmm. please send them a check. You can find them online. (laughs) I think it's Vieques Humane Society, some um, or or some uh, variation on that theme. Mm -hmm. But if you look up Vieques, V I E Q U E S. Animal Society, Animal Shelter, you'll find them, send them a check, tell them that i they heard about it from, from you and me, and you know, <laughs> they, you know, that always we always love to get that um, hitchhike on that kind of glory. Yeah. Um, they can send money, they can send product if they are involved with veterinary clinics, and they have any leftover uh, medical supplies you know things that people here would tend to throw out you know you open a box of bandages and, and they're all sealed but they fall on the floor or something mm-hmm. you will not use them they get thrown away um, a lot of these places if they'll use them if you have t- supplies that are going to be dated soon uh, heartworm meds topical fleece stuff like that mm-hmm. they will take it you can send it to them The other thing that people can do, there's an organization called Save a Sato, and that's Save a Sato, and Sato is spelled S-A-T-O, and it's saveasato.org. And you can contact them if you are flying from San Juan to any number of different locations uh, in the United States, and you are willing to have a dog fly with you as part of your baggage, because this is what changed after 9-11. Now any of the animals that get shipped have to be um, associated with a passenger. So you can go, it doesn't cost you anything, although you can contribute. There is a cost to it, but it's usually absorbed by the rescue group. Um, And all you need to do is say you'll do it. And what happens is, is it becomes part of your baggage, you get the baggage claim. You don't even have to see the dog. Or dogs, and even at the other end, you don't have to have anything to do with them, although, of course, that's really the fun part of it, is (laughs) to see the dog. And then there are usually people at the other end that pick up the dog and take it to their shelter for adoption. And Hartford, New York, Florida, uh, lots of different places where folks routinely fly from, San Juan, Atlanta. Um, You can find out if you're flying. Contact them. Say, I will uh, have a dog come back. And who knows? You, they may have dogs that you know, need to be transported.
0: That's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that. Hmm. Okay. Um, there's one last thing. I heard there was a story you might want to share about a recent airport incident that happened when you were shipping a rescue dog?
1: Oh, when Tui was coming back? I heard it, it from Edie. Was this was this when when I got called back to the front desk? Yeah, I think that's it. Yes,
0: oh,
1: you know, they have this fabulous setup at American Airlines. It's a it's a, a special pet check in, and you go and you bring your dog, and you get a bowl, and you get a bandana, and a frisbee, and whatever. Wow. And they take the dog, and then you go, and there's your dog. It's going to be great. You know, it's going to fly. Suddenly, I'm, and I'm traveling with a group of teenagers, okay? I'm, I'm traveling actually with ninth graders. I had just run a trip for students, and we're all at the, at the boarding. We're at our gate. We're all getting ready to wait for our plane to board. And suddenly, over the intercom, I hear, would Debbie Jacobs please report to check-in? Now, I am already cleared. I've cleared customs. I mean, I've cleared security. There's no customs, sorry. I've, I've cleared security. I've gone through the machines, and, and I've walked the aisles, and I've gone in a way. So I raced back. Well, the little dog, Tui, who was a little sato I was bringing back, had had diarrhea in his cage. Aww. And they needed me. Go and clean it up. And I had I had asked them for wire for uh, twist ties, those little plastic not the twist ties, but those fast ties, that little plastic things. Yes. You need a knife or a scissors to, to open. Mm-hmm. And I had them do that because uh, I didn't want the cage to be easily opened. Because who knows? I, I was concerned. It just makes an added step for somebody if they are thinking about taking a dog that doesn't belong to them. Right. And of course, to find a pair of scissors because it's security
0: you can't you can't, you can't have scissors
1: so, so there was this this people are saying we've well, got to clean the cage but i can't open the cage i need scissors well we don't have any Do you have, uh, no but of course nobody can have a pocket knife anymore so finally they i went and went into a safe somewhere i don't know they found a pair of scissors and they cut it open i was able to clean out his crate with a towel that somebody had and Send them back and wow. race. I ran back and was able to get back in time. <laughs> but yes, that was uh, that was my um, <laughs> that's your <adventure>, shipping story <laughs> adventure, <laughs> adventures with, with Sato's.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, Debbie, for sharing your experiences with us today. Please uh, tell listeners how they can contact you.
1: Oh, thanks, Mary. Well, first of all, thank you for this. I really appreciate it. And FearfulDogs.com. If you want information about anything, um, you can find me, you can email me through fearfuldogs.com or you, if you have any questions about working with dogs. And, and I probably will be posting, if I do manage to get this volunteer trainer uh, trip to Puerto Rico, I'll be talking about that on the site as well.
0: Oh, that's great. Okay, thanks again, Debbie. And that's it for this week from Animal Cafe. You can visit our site, animalcafe.co, subscribe to podcasts on iTunes, and join us on Facebook. Thanks for listening.